You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Taylor Rooster Monk tweets in, Dave Vermill out here selling me on Rui not being Jabari Parker. I like him more now after hearing that breakdown. Taylor, of course, referencing our Blue Notebook Monday this week. David, I got to say, you did a really good job. I think that was, of of the two that you have done, I thought that was your best. That was your best sales pitch. Well, I appreciate it. I have high hopes for him. I'm not sure if he'll stick in Miami. I'm not sure if he'll be available. And I'm not sure how it'll pan out. I can see why it's so difficult to scout these players based on how little you actually see of them and the hope that they might actually be able to progress. But we're trying our best, and, and you've done an excellent job previewing your two players mm-hmm. as well. Nobody's tweeting me about it. Blue Notebook Monday is doing them every Monday uh, from now until the NBA draft. The NBA draft lottery is next week, next Tuesday night, I believe. Uh, we'll have our coverage on that to see if the Heat move up in, into the in the draft position. But uh, we're here. Welcome to uh, our last edition of Locked On Heat for the week. It's your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game news item, rumor, and draft prospect. Thanks for listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm here with David Ramil. We're going to talk, or we're going to get to our mailbag today. I wanted to dig into this Lakers stuff, David, not because it's heat related, but because it's sort of hilarious. Everything that's going wrong. I mean, LeBron finds himself, signs this three-year contract with the Lakers, finds himself in maybe, I mean, if he thought Cleveland was unstable, I mean, this is this has got to be a whole nother level for him, and he's sort of in this just hurricane of bullcrap that he is now just he's he's stuck there. He's signed the long term contract. I mean, he, this was a guy who would sign the one and ones all the time so that he couldn't maintain leverage. He has almost no leverage now. Couldn't even get his guy Ty Lue hired by the Lakers. Yeah, it's it's been somewhat no, not somewhat. It's been absolutely dysfunctional. Lakers fans are absolutely in a state of chaos right now. You know, from Magic Johnson resigning unexpectedly um, to the firing of Luke Walton for reasons that were never quite clear because he didn't maximize what poor talent they had on the roster or wasn't able to overcome LeBron's injury. Obviously, his off-the-court issues notwithstanding, I mean, I don't know that anybody had major issues with Walton's coaching, but either way, that was another unexpected move. And then Ty Lu coming in there as one of several prospects and, and the way that it's been handled. I mean, obviously there are leaks from either Ty Lu's camp or somewhere in the Lakers front office. But Ty Lu brought in as a head coaching candidate, supposed to just accept Jason Kidd as a top assistant, even though Kidd himself interviewed for the head coaching position. Then Rob Palenka, the general manager of the team, lowballs a championship winning coach in Ty Lu. Gives him a shorter deal than what he expected for less money than he probably would have earned on the open market. Well, even now as he's collecting from Dan Gilbert because he was you know fired from the Cleveland Cavaliers. So Ty Lue, with no pressure to take a job, says, you know what? I'm out of the talks. Palenka's there left holding the bag and, and, and kind of wondering what happened there. And it becomes public that he lowballed him. This has just been absolutely terrible for the Lakers. And on top of that, the fans are actually going to the Staples Center to protest the team. With fans, with cheers like Rambus sucks, uh, Linda sucks, meaning Linda Rambus, who is also a front office. How did the Rambuses get back? Didn't we? Were the the Ram? Like, how are they back in this thing? What is going on? Linda never left. Right, but but Kurt, you know, obviously a lifetime Laker, a long a lifelong Laker player, uh, with his short (laughs) tenure with the Charlotte Hornets. But anyway, he he actually, uh, you know, he's just part of that front office. He's got connections with Linda and Jeannie Puss and. 
And Jeannie, it, they they run this thing like a family well, business. Well, no, no, but like, that's I their understand. pride. That's their that's how they they want it marketed. It's like you know we're a family run organization. We do everything. Like you look at how it mirrors Miami in one way. Miami is absolutely a, a family run organization with Mickey Arison as top owner and Nikki Arison as a lead, you know one of the top executives in the front office. But at the same time, it, it's just so much more effectively run than the Lakers are, and it's just it's worth noting considering how things have turned out in Los Angeles, that LeBron chose yeah. Los Angeles over any other team in the league. Uh, and, and and he publicly stated on his TV show, The Shop, how he was so surprised at, at Magic's <laughs> resigning like that, considering how he left Miami in 2014. I think a lot of Heat fans believe this is some some kind of karmic retribution. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into all that because, like, look, no. Yeah, no, it's, it's, but it's worth pointing okay. out. It's, it's short. No, absolutely. It's a Heat podcast, and we were here to talk to fans about stuff. And uh, look, <laughs> there's I'm not anti-family business or anything. I'm anti-that family business. Right. I mean, this is not a – like, yeah, you mentioned the Harrisons, but, like, Jeannie Buss is, like, kicking out her brother and stuff. Like, this is more of, like, an episode of Succession than it is a basketball franchise. This is it, – it's crazy to me, and I do not – I don't blame Lakers fans at all. For throw for writing like they they ought to like why not like your team this is malpractice this is they don't know what they're doing like every other you look at every other franchise in the league it's so modern and all these things are like well hey the Lakers they could get Bob Myers it's like no they can't Bob Myers would be insane to leave the Golden State Warriors ran by smart owners uh opening up a brand new stadium in this city like with the with talent on that roster that's you know more than just sing- one singular talent that it might be just completely checked out in LeBron right now and not because it's his fault but because they basically are just saying like hey we know that you're the greatest player in the universe but we're not going to care what you think and not really tell you anything or and any of our plans at all it it is insane to me that they are getting that that it is this bad. Odds like makers, we knew it was bad. Odds makers are already, you know, showing that LeBron might potentially get traded, and and already laying odds on where he'll play next season. So, what are the Heat's odds? Uh, they're third best, to be honest with you, if I recall correctly, six hundred to one, I guess. I don't know, maybe something. Like, like maybe uh, I'm reading it wrong. But Dion Waiters and James. You do Dion and James Johnson for LeBron straight up? At this point, I mean, if any of them have any past ties to Rob Palenka, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Look, you, you made the comparison in several weeks can ago. We sign, can we sign Rajon Rondo and do a sign trade? Yes, that's exactly what will work. You know, you made the comparison uh, a few weeks ago to, you know, the Miami Heat organization to Winterfell in the north. This is they run their organizations more like the Lannisters do, you know, backstabbing at every opportunity. Not to mention some incest along <laughs> nope, the way. The La- I mean, you're right. Yeah, they they like well, we always pay back our debts. It's just like, what does that even mean, man? <laughs> How about don't acquire any debts in the first place? How about that? <laughs> they might be more like the Greyjoys. It's <laughs> got people like you know one foot out the door, murdering each other for no good reason. You know, um, there's an ocean there. All right, let's get to our mailbag here. Ming writes in, The playoffs have shown that you need at least two top-level scores to win. By the 2019-2020 trade deadline and or end of that season, which stars do you see being frustrated and asking for a trade? Devin Booker is an obvious choice, but who else? Do you think that he can get any of said players? David, I, this is a really interesting question and something that I think Pat Riley is hoping on, is the idea that somebody gets disgruntled and says, I want to go to Miami. And at some point, Miami has enough assets to get the deal done. Now, we remember Jimmy Butler was that player. 
Mm-hmm. The Heat decided to either pass on that. You know, conversations, trade talks broke down between Minnesota's front office and Miami's front office. No deal ever happened. Jimmy Butler ends up in Philadelphia. But that's where I'm looking right now is Philadelphia. And I'm not looking at Jimmy Butler, and I'm not looking at Tobias Harris, both of which are free agents this season, this offseason. Something's got to give between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And they they don't play the same position, but they play in the same lane. They both need to be by the rim. They both need the ball in their hands. I would be looking there. Let's start there, David. Philadelphia, if you can get your hands on either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. Look, Embiid is the far superior player yes. than, than Ben Simmons. You could build around Embiid. But I don't know that if you're the 76ers, it's a real question. Do you want to put your hopes on Ben Simmons, who is young, who is not injury prone, and who has tons of potential more? But, or do you want to put it on Bede, who is better right now and will be better for the next few years, but there's questions about his knees. Do those break down? Do you? There's an argument to be made that your title window, window is is longer with Ben Simmons than it would be with Embiid. But either way, I'm looking at, at one of those guys. Yeah, I, I think I think from Philadelphia's front office's perspective, namely Elton Brand, I imagine that uh, Embiid is probably the player that they'd rather build around in the short term. Just yes. because of how yeah. injuries will play out and because of that fear. I, th- I think, I mean, personally, I think Ben Simmons is the better long-term prospect. But they're looking at Philadelphia as uh, a short window, as you mentioned. And if that's the case, they'd rather have Embiid there to build around because he's, as you said, the better player. So I'm not sure that they'll look to trade Ben Simmons. We've heard a lot of scuttle and we've seen how poorly they play together at times during the playoffs. Um, there are issues there, uh, but you don't think they would look to trade Ben Simmons? I, I, I don't. I don't think so. No, I, I don't really think so. If Jimmy Butler walks, if maybe they resign Tobias Harris, but between the Butler and the Harris trades, they have almost zero assets now. How about would ben, you trade Ben Simmons for LeBron James if he's if he's looking for a trade out of Los Angeles, not to tie it together? Yeah, I would do that. One hundred percent. Why wouldn't? No, I do sure. That? I mean that, that makes sense. But okay. I, I mean, all right, is that something that that? LeBron would want though I mean I wonder I mean he doesn't have any say in the matter but from the Los Angeles Lakers perspective they would love to have a guy like Simmons although that negates what Alonzo Ball does not that that really matters but still they'll figure it out yeah I don't see the Lakers I just I'm not I'm not buying that they're going to trade LeBron unless LeBron demands a trade and I know that there's no trade there's no there's no more no trade clauses in the league anymore but um LeBron can make their life a living hell, and they would trade him just for that reason. But um, if I'm the Heat, I want them. I, w- I would want Philly to maybe decide to get off of Ben Simmons because if you're going to rebuild around Embiid, well, you don't have time for Simmons to either get a jump shot or not. Right. Everybody's oh, well, Jason Kidd got jump. Jason Kidd was 30 right. yeah. when he figured out how to shoot the ball. They don't have that kind of time because their Joel Embiid title window is so short. And that's why they made the moves they did. That's why they made the Jimmy Butler trade. That's why they made the Tobias Harris trade right now and got rid of future assets to do that. They understood our windows in the next two or three years. Let's go after it. If Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid don't pan out, and by the way, they don't pan out. Ben Simmons has a usage percentage of like 16% in the playoffs. That's basically a, a that's basically Jonathan Simmons. And, and it just doesn't work. I'm not saying it can't work, but it might not ever work while Embiid is healthy and playing like this while Embiid is a, a healthy top seven player in the NBA. I don't think it. I don't think it'll ever work in that window in that time frame. So if you're the Sixers, maybe you do look to to move Ben Simmons. And if that's the case, I'm the Heat. 
I'm offering stuff for Ben Simmons. I would I would buy low right now on Ben Simmons. I would trade Josh Richardson. Would you do? And Zach Lowe put this out there. I'm not coming up with this, but he came out. It was a very hypothetical. He didn't say it was reported. Nothing like it. just a hypothetical thing that works in the trade machine. Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow for Ben Simmons. Uh, I think you'd need to keep one of those. I'm not sure from Philadelphia's perspective if that's the case. I mean, I I would look at Justice in a in a pick to be honest with you because I think then. You, you'd switch Justice back to a small forward position if you were to have him and Simmons at the same time, but it's, I think you'd rather remove that kind of logjam at, at, at the at quote-unquote point guard position, not that any of that matters. I think you'd, I would prefer moving Justice for Ben Simmons because I think they're somewhat duplicative of, as, as far as their their skill set. Yeah, but I, the Sixers wouldn't do Justice for Simmons straight up. No, Justice in a pick. Justice Bam in a pick. I don't know. Oh, what pick? Uh, this year's pick. Oh, this year's pick. So the thirteenth pick and justice. Yeah, I don't know, but the, I, I, I don't. I really don't feel like opening up the trade machine right now. But um, I brought up the Richardson and Winslow thing because I think the Heat would do it, and I actually think the Sixers might do it. Like you can make an argument that the Sixers would be better off right now if they had Justice Winslow instead of Ben Simmons. Oh, I think so. And I don't think that that would be. I don't think that's a. Yeah, I don't think that's a hot take. I think it is. Outside of Miami or Miami fans or, or people that come I think it's outside of Philadelphia. No, I actually, people in Philadelphia have basically turned on Ben Simmons too. So I don't think it's a hot take anywhere. Really? I, I don't know. I, well, I didn't see that. I mean, anybody that, like, among, like, non-casual fans, like people who've watched Justice Winslow shoot 30-plus percent from three-point range this year and how he played, people who actually watched Justice Winslow, I think they would understand that. But either way, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm off here. I think that's a correct statement. Um, any other players around the league? I'm looking at Boston too. Like, do we think that if Kyrie Irving leaves, that everything's just good to go there? No, I, I think they'll look to move on. To be honest with you, I, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if if they try to move off of Gordon Hayward's contract. So, yeah, exactly. Um, considering that Miami was in the running for his services a couple of years ago, would that be something that they'd be looking to invest in? Probably not, considering his age and and the title window here in Miami. Not that there's an open one at this point, but. For his contract, his age, and his, and, you know, obviously the fact that he's no longer at 100%, that's an issue. We've heard some noise out of Stephen A. Smith that Clay Thompson might want to get traded, that mm. he's unhappy with his role. Obviously, you're around the team a whole heck of a lot. Well, more. not traded. He's a, he's a free agent. Well, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah, a, so. yeah. Yeah. But um, um, I don't buy that at all. Yeah, me neither. I just think that now it's, they've, you know, the media has talked about um kevin durant and draymond green so much that clay thompson's just like the next obvious target i don't buy that at all yeah that's right and by the way he's never the, the only complaint that Stephen a smith had or that Stephen a smith was reporting was that clay thompson was unhappy that he was basically getting quote-unquote crumbs yeah there's no, there's no report ever said clay thompson wants to leave like you know why clay thompson was upset about getting crumbs also because he hasn't been shooting the ball well like Clay Thompson has been not good this entire postseason. I don't expect him to be happy, and he hasn't looked happy with himself, not with his teammates. He's, yeah, he's just unhappy because <laughs> he's he's sucks right now, and so he's unhappy. <laughs> that happens. Um, Clay Thompson, I'm not worried about him. Let's take a break here and then get to some more of your questions. You're listening to Locked On Heat. Let's talk about ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. I almost said simple, fast, and fun. I bet this is probably fun. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. And they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one of them 
and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Maybe the Lakers should do this. It's the power of computers. Uh, 21st century, people. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Mark writes in, what would a successful offseason look like for the Miami Heat? Tough question, Dave. Absolutely. That's pretty loaded there. I mean, there's so many different factors that can play out. They're not in line to acquire any top free agents, although there's always the possibility of a sign-and-trade deal. I guess Jimmy Butler is a name that's been tossed around a lot. Mm -hmm. There's always the draft, but I don't know that we're going to see that player pan out anytime soon. I mean, they might have a strong showing. Whoever they're selected 13th, they might have a strong showing in in Vegas Summer League, but that's not necessarily a guarantee that it'll be a quote-unquote success. Um, You probably have to have... What if they... I mean... Oh, I'm sorry. Before I jump in, no, no. I mean, you'd have to have probably through all the options here. Hassan Whiteside, Goran Dragic opt out. That would probably be part of what a successful offseason would look like. Other than that, acquiring any superstar player via trade is probably the the most likely route for a quote unquote success. Yeah, you know, the sign and trade thing is the big one. Um, To define success, what does that mean? I think Pat Riley has been open about circling that summer of 2020 setting up maybe two max cap slots. As the Heat are currently constructed, they could just ride this thing out and have one max cap slot and chase a max level free agent then. But if the plan is to get two max level free agents, well, then they've got to do some tinkering between now and then. They've got to trade James Johnson, Kelly Olenek, or Deion Waiters, basically. One, two, if not all three of them. I doubt they'll be able to trade all three of them. I have a hard time believing they're going to even trade one of them. I don't even know. And what kind of asset do you have to attach to that? And what assets do the Heat even have? Not a lot. So it's going to be pretty challenging for this front office to do that. But that would be one way to be successful. If you were able to get off of one of those contracts and say, look, guys, you're smart. Our fans are smart. You're intelligent. You get this. One more year of this, and then we're going to have two max cap slots. That means we have a year to recruit player X and player Y. That would be successful. That would be successful given where the Heat are right now. Um, hitting on the draft pick would be successful if you don't have to trade that pick. Um, I almost wonder, like, best case scenario is Miami gets, you know, some picking, if they pick at 13, right? Best case scenario is Miami gets the number one pick and lottery gods smile at us. But um, let's say they're picking at 13. If you can hit, like, at a Donovan Mitchell type rate, Mm -hmm. where you just get some stud guy that was overlooked... Mm -hmm. And he just blossoms for you. Perfect situation. Right guy, right time, right position. Um, that would be huge. I think, and that's why when we go back to, when, we, when we're, we're doing our scouting reports on Blue Notebook Mondays, I'm always talking, I think they need a swing for the fences type of pick here. Right. Like, I don't think that they need a safe pick here. I think they need to swing for the fences to try to find a superstar. Maybe that player doesn't end up competing for Rookie of the Year like Donovan Mitchell did, but... That, that player can blossom into somebody that you can eventually build around in case, you know, when you get those two max cap slots or maybe you, you only end up with the one max cap slot, um, you need that second player there. So I'll, I'll set I think the bar, that would be successful. I'll set the bar a little lower than that. I, I think for a lot of fans, a successful offseason will look like something different. And, and I don't think that's likely mm. to happen, especially considering the context of what you were just saying about waiting it out for another year in the hopes of getting two max uh, cap slots next season. I, I, I mean, 
they're not going to be with Dwayne Wade, obviously. Um, yeah. You're not going to see any necessary progress from either Bam or Justice or Josh during that offseason. They're not likely to make a trade. They're not likely to acquire a superstar. I, I don't know that there are any options. I think the most realistic is what you were hinting at as far as a, a successful draft pick. And even that seems unlikely given that they're going to be 13th. Donovan Mitchell, look, we were both extremely high on Donovan when he was taken out of Louisville, but at the same time, he didn't have that opportunity until Dante Exum went down. You know, they were in the middle of trans, you know, kind of adjusting to life with Ricky Rubio as their point guard. Uh, that was a completely different year for them. Yeah. And then Mitchell was able to take that opportunity and say, you know what? We don't have any kind of playoff hopes. Gordon Hayward had just left. You know, this was a, a team in transition. That's not the case in Miami. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I completely buy that with Donovan Mitchell. I do think that that coaching staff saw what they had in him, and it was just no a doubt. Of time. No doubt. But I don't know you that know? that kind of rookie level progress that we saw from Mitchell is going to be something that Miami can replicate. No, that's what I'm saying. Like that's best case scenario. Right. Right. I don't think that anybody should expect that at all. I mean, somebody has uh, to get hurt. If like, anything, you expect like a Bam Adebayo type who just sort of is there for good a point. year. Um, but. You know, I, I look, I think you rearrange the deck chairs a little bit. You just try to make it look different, create some better morale that way, and that's probably the, and, and try to get one off of a couple of those contracts and that's a successful offseason. Just make it look a little bit different. I think I'm with you. Make it look, look a little bit different. Kyle writes in, if and if it's a big if Whiteside opts out of his last year to try to find a team to start on, what do you think the Heat would do with that money? $27 million is a lot to work with. Well, yeah, if if it were $27 million, uh, if the, if Whiteside were to opt out, because Miami is already over the cap going into next season, if if Whiteside were to opt out, it would only create five million dollars of cap space. That's not a lot of work. Yeah. Five million, like what could you get for five million dollars of cap space? Yeah, it's not. Back yeah, you're not point. exactly. You're not losing Hassan and then getting a superstar in his place. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Yeah, you don't exactly. And uh, and that, by the way, that five million. That that's based on the 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 idea that the Heat will waive Ryan Anderson, not stretch him, just waive him and and remove five million dollars of his salary off of their books because only fifteen million dollars of his twenty million dollars salary is guaranteed for next season. Now, if Dragic also opts out, that creates twenty four million dollars of cap space. If my if my numbers are right here, I just don't expect that to happen. So, um, I mean, maybe it does. And Dragic signs elsewhere. I just, again, I don't see it happening. And I certainly don't see Whiteside passing up the $27 million. I actually think there's a better chance that Dragic opts out than Whiteside opts out. So, um, Why is that? Yeah. Why is it? Because Dragic can, you could at least sell the idea on Dra- or Dragic could sell the idea to himself. This is my last long-term contract I'm about to sign here, just given my age. I'd rather opt out. Like, given, like, he broke down last year. He showed signs of wear and tear. He might consider it to be a business decision to say let me just opt out and go into free agency now when all these teams have so much money to spend and sign my lot my last long-term deal as opposed to waiting another year risking more injury risking more wear and tear and then sign for less than i don't think that's going to be the case i could just i'm saying like if there's if there's a reason that would be the reason why he would opt out right there is a i just i think he's better off just pocketing the 19 mil and then doing whatever happens next summer. Yeah. Um, just make sure you put some of that in savings, and you're pretty much good. Uh, Whiteside, I see no reason for him to opt out of $27 million. He's not going to get a long-term contract anywhere else. He's not going to get close to $27 million anywhere else. Like There is almost 0% chance that Whiteside turns that money down. No. $27 million is a lot of money. Yeah, No, I, I, I can't see it. Like I mean, 
the idea that he'd opt out was based on him getting significantly more playing time elsewhere. Where is that situation? Like, where where where, exactly. where is the team where he's going to start and get thirty five minutes and be their go to player? Who's saying, you know what? Let's take aging, limited offensive game center and make him our superstar. It would be a worse financial decision than anything Donald Trump did between 1985 and 1985. That's a lot to work with. I, I'm not so sure. I, I, look, I, you know what? Honestly, if, if some Chinese mogul is willing to pay Hassan the Chinese equivalent of $30 million, go for it. I mean, that's the best case for him. And I wouldn't be so surprised to see right side take it, to be 100% honest with you. Kyle's question was, what do the Heat do with that money? Uh, I the premise of the question was that it would be $27 million worth of money. It's not. Uh, if it's $5 million worth of money, I do think what the Heat would end up doing is uh, uh, allocating that to Rodney Magruder's replacement. That's fair. Backup, backup perimeter dude? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and it's not like there's a lot of options either. I mean, this is not the team that it was from 2010, even all the way up to 2016. You're not getting a quality veteran player who wants to have that opportunity. I mean, at this point, you're either getting somebody who's young and unproven and looking for that opportunity given Miami's track record of development, or you're looking for a guy probably mm-hmm. past their prime to say, you know what, why not stay in Miami? Maybe maybe yeah. I can get a, a free ticket here. You know, maybe I'll get another opportunity to prove myself. And- yeah, the next the next Deion Waiters, James Johnson rep- oh. reclamation project that, that Riley could pay $14 million to next summer. Nice. Let's take a break and then get to our last question. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Thank you to our sponsor, ZipRecruiter. You can support them and support us by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Locked On. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Brian writes in, which of the players in the draft best fits with the Heat's young guys? David, I wanted to put this one in our last segment here because it, it it leads into our next show, which will be coming out Monday, Blue Notebook Monday. We're going to be talking about a bunch of players between now and the draft. Uh, before we get, I know we haven't done all of our scouting reports, but just off the top of your head here, who do you like that either you've scouted or haven't scouted that you think fits best with Miami? I'm going to go out on a crazy limb here. I think Zion Williamson would be a nice fit in Miami. <laughs> I would love to talk about that because I was on um, I was on Locked On Suns this morning. You were. And, uh, yeah, with uh, our friends over there. And they were asking me about Zion for them. And I was like, I don't know what all this stuff is. I guess Phoenix fans are overthinking the Zion Williamson thing. Like, oh, does he fit next to Devin Booker? Like, he can't play the five. DeAndre Ayton's our guy. I'm like, just draft Zion Williamson. And and Brandon Clean, the, one of the co-hosts over there, put it in an interesting way that I, that I liked. Zion Williamson, if he's on the Suns, is he this, the Phoenix's... Could he be Phoenix's best player by the end of the year? I think absolutely yes. You could make that argument. Could you make that same argument for the Heat? I think absolutely yes. If you draft Zion Williamson, would he be your best player? And if that's the case, then absolutely you have to take him. Yes. That, that, that's... Yeah, I know you were. I know you weren't like actually. I think you were. You were being a little tongue in cheek by Zion Williamson. But like, there are people out there that are like, oh, I don't know where he would play. Like, do you draft him? He's not the best fit. I'm like, he's Zion freaking Williamson. Look, I, I mean. I don't, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sold on that either. I, I think there are places where he wouldn't necessarily thrive as soon or as quickly as you'd like him to. And I think that could be detrimental to a young player's growth and development and long-term career. So, I mean, as much, but wouldn't hyper- that be more on the front office than it would be on the player, right? Like well, if you trust how are the they, Heat's front office. Yeah. How are they not 
you know linked inexorably during this process. That's the whole thing. It's like you're you're, you're saying yes, it's it's not the player. The player doesn't suck. The front office might suck, and they might damage his career. But how is that any different? I mean, the perception is. Look, the perception even from Justice, even on a much smaller scale as a top 10 pick, was where the hell does Justice fit? Why is he so limited in what he can do? What's wrong with Justice? Really loud and and almost omnipresent, you know, um, attacks and criticism of his game. And, and those war on him and as the player that he was and the person he was off the floor. I mean, where he's talked about battling depression and, and, and kind of trying to wrap his mind around what was next for his de- development. I mean, we're, we don't know what Zion's psychological makeup is, but there's a lot of pressure for him to be almost the game's greatest player within the next five to ten years. I'm sorry, within the next five years. I'll go. I, I'm all I'm saying is that you can't worry about that stuff. You oh, just you draft to, him. Man. I think you have to. No, I don't think I don't think you take John Morant over Zion just because no. you have more of a need at point guard. I'm just if he's on the board, you take him. Well, I mean, he's Period. not gonna he's not gonna go past the first pick. That's what I'm saying. So oh, you think if Phoenix, really if Phoenix gets drafted, if Phoenix, well, anybody, gets yeah, whoever gets the first pick, like you don't overthink this. But yeah, Phoenix people, exactly. Like, oh, should you take John Morant because Phoenix really needs a point guard? No, you just take Zion Williamson. You just take him, and you figure it out after that. Um, anyway, if the Heat get the first pick, they'll take Zion. If they don't, then they won't take Zion. Other than that, I'm looking at. Um, I know I did the scouting report on Kobe White, and afterwards I was a little low on him. I'm still a little low on him. A lot of people seem really high on him. A lot of people seem really high on Darius Garland, the point guard out of Vanderbilt. I want to do a scouting report on him. Probably not next week, but maybe the week after. I'm thinking. Um, I think one of the, I think they just need shooting. I really do. And I know you really like the idea of a power forward. I'm with you there. I think if they could find a version uh, of a power forward, like a, a souped up James Johnson that could play next to Bam Adebayo, that would be awesome. Um, and souped up James Johnson isn't even that good, so I probably should find a better comparison souped for that. Up with James jo- souped up James Johnson is LeBron James, Wes. Okay, that's like that's souped up in a tuxedo. That's like <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, you're looking at the rosters it's currently comprised, and you're pretty much set in that backcourt. Despite Eric Spolstra's unwillingness to proclaim Justice Winslow as a starting guard, whatever position I, he is or not, he's the, he's well, the lead ball handler. He's the lead ball handler, and Josh Richardson is the other guard. And I look at their backcourt the way that I look at Houston's backcourt, where they have three guards. They have James Harden, who's this oversized point guard. Um, He's basically the same size as Justice Winslow, right? Oversized point guard. Not strong. But yeah, I mean, actually, you know, that's not a bad comparison. James Harden, thank you. I like the comparison. Um, Equally as good on step-back threes. Um, James Harden, you got Chris Paul, and you've got Eric Gordon, right? Eric Gordon is this complimentary piece. He can get hot sometimes and can just bail you out of situations. Good defender, both of them. Well, Eric Gordon and uh, Josh Richardson, good defenders on the perimeter. Um, switchy, could do stuff that way. So if you if we compare those backcourts, right? And that's it. Look again, souped up Justice Winslow, the tuxedo is James Harden. But who is the Chris Paul in that in that scenario? I think the Heat. What I'm saying basically in a in a in a long drawn out version is that the Heat are a three guard offense. They've got two of their guards in Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson. They need the third guy. They've got. Dion, I think that buddy. third guy will probably be what they've got. Dion. Well, yeah, that's the idea, right? They got Dion. Uh, can you upgrade Dion Waiters? Ooh. That's a tough. That's a tall ask. Is but it's not uh, even possible. <laughs> but that's. I think you're looking for that third guard, and then of course, and then you're looking for that power forward, that utility piece who could do everything. 
I think, again, souped up James Johnson. James Johnson is old and injured and not as effective as he used to be. If you can find an upgrade there, if you could find a long-term even, just that, and if you could find a long-term answer there, I think that would be good too. Um, and that's the kind of player like a Suku Dumbuya, a Rui Huchamara that you scouted this Monday. Those kind of guys theoretically make sense. Now, whether they pan out or not is a completely different thing. But right now, I think we're just talking theoretically about fits. Yeah, I think that says it pretty well. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Twitter at LockedOnHeat or email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with Blue Notebook Monday. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes. Wrap it up, Dave. Um.